Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Cool Canadian History. I'm your host, David Boris. On the 8th of November, 1946, Viola Desmond, a Canadian woman, refused to be forced to sit in the balcony of the Roseland Theatre in New Glasgow, Nova Scotia. The floor where Viola sat was for white people. The balcony was for black people. Viola was black. Viola's refusal to sit in the balcony triggered widespread protest against the racist and segregationist policies of the Roseland Theatre and the province of Nova Scotia. It also opened up a very public discussion about the treatment of African Canadians throughout the country. It was this event that in many ways symbolized the beginning of the civil rights movement in Canada, nine years before Rosa Parks famously refused to be moved on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama. As well, Viola's actions galvanized a variety of groups and people to successfully push for greater equality within Canada and broader recognition of the racist realities of the country in the post-Second World War period. This is Season 7, Episode 9, Viola Desmond, The Woman on the $10 Bill. The book recommendation today is titled Viola Desmond's Canada, A History of Blacks and Racial Segregation in the Promised Land by Graham Reynolds. This book was published in 2016 by Fernwood Press, and this is a groundbreaking book that provides a concise overview of the narrative of the black experience in Canada. In it, Reynolds traces this narrative from slavery under French and British rule in the 18th century to the practice of racial segregation and the fight for racial equality in the 20th century. Included are personal recollections by Wanda Robson, Viola Desmond's youngest sister, together with important but previously unpublished documents and other primary sources in the history of blacks in Canada. In fact, this book was the winner 
of the 2017 Robbie Robertson Dartmouth Book Award for Nonfiction and the Miramichi Reader's Best Nonfiction Book of 2016. Viola Irene Desmond, nay Davis, was born July 6, 1914, in the beautiful city of Halifax, Nova Scotia. Viola came from a large family. In fact, her parents, James Albert Davis and Gwendolyn Irene, had 15 children, and Viola was one of 11 to survive childhood and the youngest of nine daughters. Her family was not one of means, but was able to put food on the table for the large family. Her father worked as a stevedore on the Halifax docks and later as a barber, and during the Great Depression also washed cars. Her mother was actually of mixed ethnicity, the daughter of a black woman and a white man, a Baptist minister. In fact, her family had moved to Halifax from New Haven, Connecticut. While the family was certainly quite religious, Viola's mother was also quite the activist. She was known to write letters to local newspapers, advocating or challenging issues that she felt were politically, educationally, and even racially wrong. Viola attended school and was an excellent student, first attending Sir Joseph Howe Elementary School and then Bloomfield High School, and it was clear that this time greatly influenced her as Viola endeavored to become a teacher. And while Afro-Canadians were not hired to teach at schools within Halifax, Viola obtained a special license to teach at a black-only school outside of the city limits. Thus, by the age of 16, Viola was teaching in the small town of Preston. She was not content, though, to live the rest of her life as a teacher. Viola was inspired by the famous Madam C.J. Walker, an African-American woman in the United States who was an entrepreneur, an activist, a philanthropist, as well as being recorded as the first ever self-made millionaire in the United States. With Madam Walker as her hero, Viola sought to go into business for herself and she was particularly interested in opening her own hair salon. The problem was, vocational training facilities were not open to black women in Nova Scotia. So, she went and trained in Montreal instead at the Field Beauty Cultural School, one of the only vocational schools in the country that accepted black Canadians. She then continued her training in New Jersey, and did more in New York before opening her own salon back in Halifax, Vi's Studio of Beauty Culture. She opened this in 1937. Now, while the studio first began in her family home, she eventually earned enough to buy a standalone studio in the north end of Halifax on Gottingen Street. In the north end of Halifax was where the historic community of Africville was located. The studio was specifically devoted to serving women of the black community, and it soon became not just a place of business, but a place where the women of the community gathered to talk and discuss issues of the day, a sort of modern-day version of the Parisian salon. It was certainly much more than just a beauty parlor. Not only 
was Viola now a successful stylist, but she created a whole line of beauty products for black women. Face powder, perfumes, lipsticks, hair dye, hair pomade, hair pieces, wigs, etc. Eventually, Vi was doing so well that she opened up her own beauty school for black women, which quickly filled up with women attending from as far west as Quebec. On average, 15 students graduated from Viola's school each year. By this point, Viola was running her hair salon, the Desmond School of Beauty and Culture, and had even created a business of manufacturing and shipping her own beauty products, labeled Vi's Beauty Products. It was clear that by the 1940s, Viola was not just a woman well ahead of her time, but a successful entrepreneur and very much seen as a role model and community leader within Halifax's black community. On the evening of the 8th of November, 1946, on her way to a business meeting, Viola's car broke down in the segregationist town of New Glasgow, Nova Scotia. As the repairs were going to take some time, she rented a hotel room and, to pass the long hours, decided to go check out a movie at the Roseland Theatre. Viola purchased a ticket, requesting it to be on the main floor, but was given a balcony ticket instead. Thinking she had a main floor ticket, she walked into the theater where she was promptly stopped by the ticket attendant and told that her ticket was actually for the upstairs balcony. Vi then returned to the ticket booth to request a proper ticket for the main floor where she was informed by the cashier, I'm sorry, but I'm not permitted to sell downstairs tickets to you people. Now Viola was not to be deterred and she marched back into the theater and sat down on the main floor anyways in the unofficial but very much enforced whites-only section. She was then confronted by the manager, and after a back-and-forth was curtly told that the theater had the right to refuse service to anyone it deemed objectionable. Viola replied calmly that she had not been refused any service, simply that she had been refused a ticket to the main floor, which she was more than happy to pay for. The manager continued to ask her to leave, and she continued to refuse. Eventually, the manager called the police. When the police arrived, Viola continued to stay in her seat until she had to be forcibly and roughly dragged from the theater and taken to jail. She was held overnight, and the next day was faced with what can only be seen as a farcical attempt to convict her in order to ensure and enforce racial segregation continued in New Glasgow. Viola was brought before the court without legal representation and without being told she was entitled to any, and then charged with tax fraud. I repeat, tax fraud. She was told that she was attempting to defraud the provincial government based on her alleged refusal to pay a one-cent amusement tax on her ticket purchase, the difference between the tax for the upstairs and downstairs ticket. Despite the fact that she pleaded her case, stating that she was fully willing to pay it at the time, 
the judge wouldn't listen. She was fined $26, six of which was awarded to the theater. We will find out the reaction to Viola's tax fraud after the break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Folks, if you are looking for ad-free content from this podcast, look no further. Sign up to Patreon today. All you need to do is donate one or two bucks to the podcast via Patreon, which allows you to do it safely and securely, and you can access all of our episodes without any advertisement or sponsorship content. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Sign up today. In a classic Canadian way, No mention of race was ever brought up. It was racism, no doubt, but it was racism hiding behind an extremely strict and questionable interpretation of the law and of the policies at said theater. Even when the case made it into the newspapers, the theater manager said that there was no official policy that black people had to sit in the balcony, only that it was customary for black people to do so. Unofficial, but official. While her own family was actually quite angry at Viola for dragging her name and the family name through the press, others in the community were advocating for Vi to fight the charge. The Nova Scotia Association for the Advancement of Colored People raised money to fight her conviction, while the Clarion, the province's second black-owned and operated newspaper, followed her case with special interest. In fact, the newspaper's founder, Carrie Best, had actually unsuccessfully filed a civil suit against the same theater's management only five years earlier, when she too tried to sit in the whites-only section. Viola certainly wanted her charge dropped, but the lawyers she ended up hiring felt they could not win in court. Instead, they filed a civil suit against the theater and its manager, contending the manager had acted unlawfully when he removed Desmond from the establishment. The civil suit sought compensation on the grounds of assault, malicious prosecution, and false imprisonment. Not surprisingly, the suit never made it to trial. Viola's lawyer later tried to have the criminal conviction of tax fraud stricken from Vi's record, and despite the fact that it went all the way to the Nova Scotia Supreme Court in January 1947, the charges stuck. The reasoning for the Supreme Court not overturning the charge was that the Supreme Court judge ruled that the appeal should have been made within 10 days after the conviction and made to the county court. 
as it was obviously well past the 10 days and the county court had never received the appeal, Viola remained a criminal in the eyes of the Nova Scotian government. While Viola had to live the rest of her life with a conviction of tax fraud, her actions galvanized many within the Nova Scotian black community who continued to challenge the racist laws within the province. And this culminated in 1954, when segregation was legally abolished in the province of Nova Scotia. Sadly for Vi, the stress of the whole incident brought domestic troubles as well. Her marriage fell apart, and eventually she was forced to close her businesses and leave Halifax. She went to Montreal, and then eventually settled in New York City, She died in 1965 at the age of 50 from a gastrointestinal hemorrhage. But her story, which could have easily faded into the obscurity of history, did not end there. Her sister began to advocate for recognition of Viola's efforts in early black activism in Nova Scotia. In fact, in 2003, her sister Wanda enrolled in Cape Breton University at the age of 73 to take a course on race relations. And from that course, her and her professor, Graham Reynolds, stepped up their campaign to bring Viola's story into the public consciousness. This campaign worked. In 2010, Viola was officially pardoned and the Nova Scotia government officially apologized. That same year, the Viola Desmond Chair in Social Justice was established at Cape Breton University and two years later, Canada Post issued a postage stamp with Viola's face on it. In 2016, the very popular Heritage Minutes released an episode on Viola's actions at the Roseland Theatre. And later that same year, it was announced by the Bank of Canada that Viola's image would appear on the face of the new $10 bill, the first African-Canadian and first Canadian woman to ever be shown on a Canadian bill. The bill was released to circulation in 2018. And by that year, Viola Desmond had been inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame, named a National Historic Person by the Canadian government, and the next year, that $10 note won the International Banknote Society's Banknote of the Year Award. Viola's work in the community, her leadership as a black businesswoman, and her actions at the Roseland Theatre were all part and parcel of a catalyst for many black Canadians, especially in Nova Scotia, struggling for equality and justice in a country that claimed to be innocent of racial discrimination, but was certainly rife with it at every level in every region. Nine years before Rosa Parks changed the American civil rights movement by refusing to sit at the back of a bus, Viola Desmond had sparked a community and mobilized a movement that inspired generations of black Canadians in not only Nova Scotia, but across the country. Black Canadians who fought and won the right to be seen as equals in an unequal Canadian society. I want to thank you all for listening today. A reminder, 
You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. And you can find us at our homepage, coolcanadianhistory.com. And you can find me on Twitter, at Doc Boris. That's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. Thank you for tuning in, and stay cool. Stay cool.